Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hook em up with P and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Rolling on on a Monday. The good, the bad, and the ugly from a uh, tremendous weekend. Tremendous because the Longhorns won. It wasn't always pretty, but they found a way, and we're talking about it with you. The uh, autopsy, as we like to call it, the review of another uh, victory for the Longhorns. Win's a win. 6-1 and one now for Texas, uh, keeping pace with Oklahoma in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, we will talk more about that in the uh, goings-on around college football. It was surviving an advanced weekend for a lot of teams, yes, it was. including Oklahoma. Florida State got a little scare. Big time, big time. Yeah. We saw North Carolina not survive in advance. They mm-hmm. lost to Virginia as an undefeated team previously. Penn State went down. That's why the Longhorns bounced up a spot with the seven-point win at Houston. Um, also, we saw – we mentioned Washington coming off the big win over Oregon. They – boy, they needed a, needed some help to, to beat Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, this weekend, and, and uh, you know, that's that's how the Pac-12 is going to be. Uh, whoever yeah. can survive that, agreed. USC lost to uh, Utah for the third time in this calendar year. Um, they they have they just match up really well with that program because they're about physicality and 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 uh, power of football. And USC anything but that. That is <laughs> they're the, the way, antithesis of what USC is. This is more of a bullish or BS question, and we'll get to get to more of that uh, as the week goes on. But did you see that that after you know Caleb Williams and USC lost, um, and, and they were down two touchdowns in, in late, but Caleb Williams brought them back to take a 32-31 lead, and then Utah had just left them too much time, much like Texas did to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the the backup quarterback for Utah took them down the field. He had a huge scramble and run that set up the game-winning field goal. Uh, now that USC's taken two losses and their chances of playing from the Final Four are almost no- nothing, Emmanuel Acho, the lifetime Longhorn, he went on his uh, social media platforms and pretty much declared that Caleb Williams should cancel the rest of his season. Shut it down, Just huh? Shut her down and not play. And I'm like, oh, man, that's I, – I, I, I like Manning, but that, I disagree with that. I mean, we, we already have guys not you know playing in bowl games, and I understand that. That's a business decision. We've seen it before, right? A lot of guys didn't play during COVID when COVID yeah. was happening. We've seen guys not play when it's you know time to make a business decision. It was Manny Acho making the first real bold declaration that now that USC's out of it, Caleb Williams should should shut it down. I I would disagree with him on that. But what um, do you think? Yeah, I, honestly, it's a that's a tough decision to make. He's going to be the number one overall pick. Um, the only thing that could derail that is a serious injury. Um, he's he's getting 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 nil money now, so he's not totally right. He's not totally broke, all right, and having to live check to check. He's getting plenty of nil dollars. He's probably getting close to I don't know, like five to ten million dollars nil money. So don't feel bad for him. But um, that's different than accomplishing his NFL dreams, being the number one overall pick, and starting that clock on getting his second contract in the league. I'm saying he should consider it. I hate it too. I don't like it. I don't like it. E. Okay, I don't like it any more than I like the thought of my daughter joining Instagram, right? When she's like a teenager or something like that, all right? But I know these things are like a reality. 
that I can fight against as long as I can fight as much as I want. But that is a for for not for everybody, not for listen. This is for one. This is the one to the one percent of the one percenters here. Yeah. All right. For for most of the jags like Rod B, shut up. All right. And go back. Get Need back every, to work. Every piece of film you can get. Yes, but every. for for the one percent of the one percent, like Caleb Williams, he should consider it. For most people, for ninety nine point nine percent of the people out there, this is not even an option for you. For well, him, he needs to consider it. Uh, it because sucks, he is the he one, the one one. He's the one uh, one man. Only oh. the only thing to prevent that lottery ticket getting cash is him getting hurt. And getting hurt, man. Come on. And, and then what, what was it for? What, what were you competing for? Right. What what was it for? Yeah. A Pac twelve. Well, and and his title his, appearance. His head coach <laughs> hasn't put a quality enough defense around him uh, to hold on to leads he provides for them most of the time. Now he didn't play well against Notre Dame, but yeah. bad games are going to happen. Uh, I hope it doesn't happen, but at the same time, I, I, your point is valid. That I don't like it, It's got to be it, considered. But at the same time, I'd like to sit here and say that the NFL would care, but they won't. They won't care. They'll say, oh, man, we want him to be a competitor. Get out. We need him to get reps. We don't say, no, no, they want him to be available <laughs> exactly. for whoever has the number one pick. Exactly. Uh, well, well look, at, look at the quarterback help everywhere, guys. Look at the NFL right look now. Look at Quinn Ewers. Sebastian, look at Quinn Ewers. Hell, the Bears just played, what was his name, uh, uh, Tyler Bad- Badgett. Badgett. Yeah, I mean, come on, that guy was Taylor Badgett. You know that his nobody. father was like a like a many time. He's a, a arm wrestler. Yeah, right? twenty seven time world champion yeah, arm wrestler. I saw that. The Chicago Bears quarterback. That's a nice factor. But my point is, they got backups everywhere. Deshaun Watson went down again, so he's hurt again. Guys, you got backups all around every level of football having to show up at the quarterback position. Texas, we just talked about it. They're they're obviously no different. Man, you know you can't take the chance injury at the quarterback position. It can cost you money and it can cost your team. But I'm talking about for Caleb Williams' situation, he's got to consider it. And, yes, it's yucky and it's borderline disgusting, right, if you're, if you're a, a true football fan because it goes against everything that you're trying to teach in terms of building character and culture, right, you're trying to teach young people about sports and material, about dedication and commitment and sacrifice. And it's like, oh, yeah, but when you're getting really, 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 really good like him, and you can decide to quit on your team and decide, you know, I got I to gotta think about the money and the, and the, the, the larger, more macro, uh, you, you know, options here. It's, yeah, I, I don't like the way it makes me feel, but that's the reality. Yeah, it's, it's, and there's nothing to prevent him from doing it uh, at this point. And it would be a further ripping of the, 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 the integrity of the game or yep. whatever you want to oh, call yeah. it. No um, and, that, you know, that started with, with transfer portals. and no, I, no more amateurism, man. We're done with that. Yeah. The only argument is he, he is making money now, and he does have sponsors that are backing him. You know, That's he, true. He does have obligations that he's made to, yeah. to, to, to be on the football field. That's what they're, they're supporting yeah. him with their NIL dollars. So, what if he uh, shuts it down, E, and then doesn't like the team that's going to draft him? Because there's also talk right. that he will come back to school if he doesn't like the team that ends up with the number well, one overall pick. You can't come back pick. once you shut it down. Exactly. So <laughs> my, that, may, that may be the reason he doesn't shut it down. He's yeah. like, hell, I need to leave my options open here because if I don't like – if I don't want to play for the Bears who ruin quarterbacks <laughs> uh, routinely, uh, then maybe I need to – or Arizona or whatever, maybe I need to come back to school and wait for a better opportunity. So. Well, in this text, as Caleb Williams and his dad have said to be demanding partial ownership of the team that drafts him – he needs a reality check, too full of himself. Look, I do there, think there's a sense of that, that maybe Caleb's got himself – I know he knows he's really good and he's a very talented player. Same time, you know, NFL's still looking for team guys. And, uh, by the way, you, you were the one that, that told me this, that the NFL, as soon as the, the Lionel Messi thing exploded – Yes, they did. – with Inter-Miami, which that thing's died down, but, you know, he's still playing in the MLS and he owns a piece of the team and the mm-hmm. Apple deal. The, keep this in mind for the Caleb Williams story – the, the owners, all 32 of the owners of the gathered unanimous. and had a unanimous <laughs> vote that no allowance of, of 
you know, players owning any stake of of ownership. Nope. nope. Can't do it. Can't put it in the contract. And it was a- actually the Kansas City Chiefs ownership group that actually drew up the memo. <laughs> <laughs> so I think because I think they're thinking when one dumb team does it. All right, to try to sign a quarterback like the Browns signed Deshaun Watson to that fully guaranteed deal, then the the butterfly effect and the domino effect. Patrick Mahomes' agent may go, "Hey, we want a revenue sharing deal, and we want partial ownership too, and you're gonna have to give it to him." So that's why the kids just like, "Let's cut this thing off, at, at, you know, before it starts it's, uh, at the pass here." And they did. So there, there won't be no revenue sharing deals, and there will be no partial ownership in the NFL ever, ever. <laughs> yeah, for, for and they made sure of it uh, yeah. <laughs> because you're right. I mean, the Lionel Messi, I think you said it just right. Some dumb team in, in the other owner's view would, mm-hmm. would do that to, for, to get Caleb Williams or to secure a player. Exactly. And then, of course, Patrick Mahomes has already got his fingers all over ownership in, in other sports. Uh, wouldn't be very long before Lee Steinberg be calling the Chiefs saying, hey, uh, we want cut in on this deal. Well, with now, that is right, once you're retired and you're not on a team and on a roster and, a, and an active player, Tom Brady's already bought into the Vegas Raiders. Yes, but, sir. Uh, the, what the NFL said is you can't make it part of your contract. You can't you know, go outside mm-hmm. of the, the, uh, the salary cap by using ownership stake and incentives like that. Uh, can't happen. But do remember one long ago when the, the Miami Dolphins were tampered, were, 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 were punished for tampering for reportedly offering Tom Brady a piece of ownership yep. to come play for them. Jackie Moon style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah. so, I mean, there's a reason they drew up that, that new rule and it voted unanimous. But I do agree the bigger picture on Caleb Williams is he's probably got to finish this season. And, uh, yeah, he's got to finish this season. I understand the idea and the reason for, for suggesting it. But let's hope he does because they still have to play Oregon. I want to see that game. Yeah. They still have to play some big games down the road here. He's got to do it. If he's going to, if he's going to hang it up, it won't be now. Yeah. It'll be with like two games left in the season, and they've already – what are they now, two losses? Let's say yeah. he gets a four losses, then he'll be like, all right, guys. Come yeah, we get on. into, we get into December. He probably won't play in a bowl game. The, uh, I would, yeah, no I doubt. would believe yeah, that. And they don't look like that. they're on the way to the Pac-12. By the way, that, that Pac-12 championship, by the way, the big game this weekend is Utah-Oregon. Utah, Oregon. Know, what's week. Cam Rising's status? We yeah, still that, nothing. I mean, that guy comes we'll back. To... Utah's going to make some noise, man. Woo. They're a tough team Feels to beat. Like it. Back up, they're tough to beat. One other note, Rod, before we go to Rod's rant here in the 9 o'clock hour, get some Texas football talk. Uh, you know, quality pulling out the victory win for Texas. Not quality, but uh, hey, important to get the win. They got the win's dub, a win. Wait, 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 with a backup quarterback in there, too. And how many guys injured? Yeah. Like six hey, or seven? Take the win on the road. You gotta gotta get the W. They didn't do it last year all too often. They lost some some games that were right there in their control. This one they won. Uh, Rod, though, but the the the, the Sunday night game, the uh, the two must see football games of the weekend: Penn State, Ohio State, and then yeah. that one. And the uh, Eagles won it four Ooh. for four on the tush push. And you know the the biggest play of the game: Tua Tungavailoa threw an interception inside the red zone. He threw a, tried to throw a wheel route to his running back Raheem Mostert that was never open. It was a bad throw. Got picked off by Darius Slay. Uh, forced it. And that, they were driving, looking to tie the game at 24. That interception led to a touchdown to A.J. Brown the other way. They end up winning at 31-17. Uh, but the tush push was critical four more times last night, Rod. The yes, Jalen Hurts quarterback sneak. After the game, uh, let's see if I can find this audio, too, when we played for you coming up and who said that. Nick Sirianni was asked about it and said, look, if, if, if everyone could do it, everyone would do it. And, you know, the idea of people talking about banning this thing Look, other teams can try it. I don't understand. What, I mean, the tush push continues to be a centerpiece conversation because it's it a is. play that no one can stop. It makes the Eagles tough to beat because anytime they get a third or fourth and short, 
they're going to get it, and they're going to keep drives alive, and they're going to punch it across in the one-yard line. Everybody yep. else is having a hard time with that. Yep. But I, I, you know, I still think when I see Nick Sirianni, he's still the, one of the more punchable faces in the world <laughs> for, for, for fans. It's like, Ugh. but at the same time, he's right. He's 100% right. If, if, if everyone could do it to the level we do it, they would, and they wouldn't be complaining about it. Yeah, totally agree with you. And you've seen teams now try to do it. And they don't do it very and well. They're, they're, they're terrible. It looks horrible in terms of executing it because they don't have the two most important pieces to the, uh, the brotherly shove or the tush push, which is Jason Kelsey, uh, Hall, basically a Hall of Fame center, best center in, in football right now, and they don't have a quarterback – who used to be a power-lifting quarterback, right? Who's Squat, a, squats like a 600 pounds. Yes. How many quarterbacks in the NFL squat as much as Jalen Hurts? Probably not many, if any. So you've got to have those two elements, and nobody has them. By the way, Texas tried it. Remember the Bama game? We're, we're pretty sure now that was Texas trying to tush push. They tried it in the Houston game. <laughs> right? They did. And, and again, they, uh, Quinn Ewers fumbled the snap. Is it right. He's like, stop it. Stop it. He doesn't like doing it either. No, it's, it, it is not as easy as people make it out to be, and that's why I'm with you. I think if the NFL tries to you know, disallow it or uh, make it against the rules, I think that'd be a bad move by the league. This was actually a very clever, innovative way for the Eagles to not only maximize their assets and weaponize their skills and their talent, uh, but also they, they looked in the rules and found – you know, a really clever loophole in the rules that nobody else had recognized. And they've got a power-lifting quarterback <laughs> yeah. and a Hall of Fame center and then uh, two guards that are powerhouses themselves. So, so it really can't be stopped. And then, of course, the push from behind uh, from Dallas yeah. Goddard and other players, yeah, A.J. They, Brown. I mean, it's, they're just mad now because they can't replicate it and they can't stop it. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. And uh, as Jason Kelsey opined on their podcast, he and Travis, his brother, you know, the next step is people are going to start feigning injuries on that play because the only way they'll change the rules is if people start getting hurt. That's right. Um, That's exactly right. And uh, nobody's getting hurt from it. I haven't no, seen a lot of guys get, get hurt from it. They just can't get off the field. They just can't get out of it. And I don't really know. I, I'm with you. As a football theorist, I'm trying to figure out how you stop it. I don't know how you stop their specific tush push. Clearly, you can stop it, but not with Kelsey and, and not with Jalen Hurts. I think if you want to do it like they do, you, yeah, you have to have the elements, but you've got to practice it a lot. You've got you to gotta yeah. rep it. And I don't think other teams rep it very much. They don't. They, it, it's not as easy as it looks. And that's why I think Nick Sirianni is right saying, you know, if everyone could do it, everyone would major in it and, and work on it like we do um, and would be able to do it. Now, again, the elements are important. You've got to have a big, strong quarterback and a uh, really good interior offensive line. All right, there's some uh, good football talk. We'll take your thoughts on Caleb Williams and the Tush Push. But it's time for Rod's second rant, rant of a Monday. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butt. All right, let's get into uh, the Texas offense. Sark did admit that uh, U of H <clears throat> showed him something uh, on the field on Saturday that they had not prepared for on film, um, that they had not shown on film, and that is the fourth team to do that. Uh, Oklahoma did it. U of H obviously did it. Oklahoma, uh, it, it was X-Men and Jonathan Brooks that <clears throat> said that Brent Venables uh, showed them a little different defense that they had shown on film, and we know that Rice and Wyoming were also teams 
that showed Sark and the Texas offense something different on the field than they had shown on film that season. So this is a trend, and I think it, it was a way to get Texas to start slow in the game. Remember Rice, Wyoming, Oklahoma, slow start, strong finish. In this game, you had a, stra- a, a strong start by Texas, and then you had a a kind of lackluster stall that the offense goes into, and then they finish out with the running game. And, you know, one of the reasons people will keep throwing out there, one of the things that U of H threw at Texas that Texas should have been ready for but maybe they weren't ready for was the three high three down defense. And I've been talking about this for about a year and a half, how the three high three down defense matches up well with Sark's offense. Uh, just schematically to talk about what Sark's offense is and why it matches up well with Sark's offense. Sark's offense is essentially just a collection of cheat codes. Uh, it's a collection of cheat codes that'll give the offense, give the defense um, too much to process, right? Overload the circuitry and create chaos. And more oftentimes than not, that uh, you know you can you can do that, right? You can overload the circuitry of the defense, and he does that with a lot of cheat codes and force multipliers, pre-snap motions and shifts, RPOs, play-action pass, his formation. He condensed sets, all these different types of stuff. And he wants to deceive the defense, right? He wants to force him into making a mental mistake of some kind. And the thing about the 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 RPO offense, which Sark loves the RPO, he's an RPO-based passing game, he says that, is it is the quarterback trying to get a count pre-snap, right? He's trying to count what the advantage is in the box. Do, is, does Texas have the numbers advantage in the box? If they do, you hand it off. If they don't, you're going to throw it to the tag, whatever the tag route is. Um, and the three high three down, it distorts that pre-snap read. It essentially is a truth that tells a lie, all right? It really does give the quarterback a – a different look pre-snap and post-snap, probably better than any other defensive presentation, single high or two high. And that's one of the ways it matches up well with Sark's offense because Sark's offense is an RPO-based offense. And it's great for pre-snap disguise it, it, because there aren't a lot of natural built-in beaters yet for three high defenses, mostly for single high and two high. It's seven years old. I mean, it, it, they, they first – it first – uh, was shown on film in 2016. So it's just not a lot of sample size of offenses breaking it down. In 10, 15 years, there'll be clinics done on how to expose the three high, three down. But right now, there's not. And it's trickled its way up and through football. And Sark's offenses have struggled versus the three high concept. The unfortunate thing is, yes, U of H used it early and often, but you haven't faced the teams on your schedule yet that actually – specialize in it. it they major a minor in it that's Iowa State that's K-State that's going to be TCU and I went and looked at the numbers because I was interested in you know how effective the three high defense is against a Sark uh, coached offense and in the two plus years that Sark has been the play caller slash head coach at Texas here are some of the if you go look at the all the statistical categories that matter most to offenses almost all of them drop precipitously when Sark's offenses face a three-high defense compared to when they face just a defense that runs single high or more traditional presentations like two high. Your third down, uh, and this is prior to this season, so I haven't updated for this season, but I will. I'll get that done this week. But third downs versus three-high defenses, Sark's offenses converting around 37% of their third downs. Um, usually Sark's offenses are close to 44% third down 
con- conversion rate against none three three high defenses. Just looking at them separately. Teams that practice the three high, major or minor in it, versus teams that don't. Um, for 37% conversion rate to around 44%. Passing yards per game, around 265 passing yards per game versus none three high defenses um, versus three high defenses. That number drops to 186 passing yards per game. If you look at yards per attempt, which also drops, uh, here's a stat for you. Sark's offenses have averaged over seven yards per attempt 20 times uh, in the last two years, and only three of them have been versus three high three down defenses. Last, you know, in the last two plus years, I should say. So the, it, his offenses struggle to be productive and to be explosive versus three high. And I think a lot of it is the matchup with the RPO. And if you look at points per game, which is probably the most important, um, I have Sark's offenses uh, averaging eight fewer, eight and a half fewer points per game versus three high defenses compared to his normal averages and normal uh, scoring offense and scoring output. That's, that's a pretty big number. I mean, that's more than a touchdown. Uh, that's more than a touchdown that you are scoring less or fewer per game when you face three high defenses. And this is what I found last season that really uh, interested me and is intriguing when you look at the U of H game. And U of H throwing a lot of three high looks at Texas. Last season, when I went and broke down what formations and personnel groupings were more successful moving the football versus three high defenses, I did find a trend. And the trend I found was that your six O-line packages last season actually had a disproportionate amount of success versus three high defenses. You were averaging over six and a half yards per rush when you were uh, running the ball versus three high defenses in 6-0 line package. Now, your completion percentage was not as good. I think it's mostly have to do more with the quarterbacks, but your explosive play rate was actually pretty high um, when you were throwing the football, but you could run the football really effectively. And I think the reason is because the three high defense is so built on disguise and it's such a malleable defense. That's what makes it tough to diagnose and decipher because it's constantly moving. It's constantly evolving. You have no idea what it's going to evolve into a single high, a two high It's going to evolve into a pressure package involving a man to three to, to cover four. You have no idea. And that's part of the conundrum for quarterbacks. But when you get extreme in your presentation offensively to counter the three high, an extreme would be big, heavy personnel package like 6-0 linemen. When you get extreme, they have to react. So they'll give up their disguise in the three high. And then you'll get, a, you'll get more clarity when you bring them, when you present them with an extreme formation or extreme personnel grouping. And your 6-0 line package is extreme because if they don't match your girth on the inside, damn near 2,000 pounds a man, they'll just get run over. You'll run right over them. You'll play bully ball, and they can't have that. So they'll start creeping their safeties into the box. Then you'll, you'll be able to decipher exactly what the coverage and what the front is because they'll have to break their pre-snap shell disguise of the three high. That's what the 6-0 line forces you to do. It also works out of empty. I found that empty formation worked really well against the three high. Not necessarily for completion percentage. Texas was around 58% completion percentage last year running empty formation versus three high defenses. But what I found was really effective at moving the football. 52% first down rate. 57% 
first down touchdown rate. Explosive play rate pretty high at 21% out of empty formation versus three high. Why? Because it's extreme. Empty formation. You spread everybody out. They can't disguise their defense against empty and against three high. They have to reveal what their coverage is. Get to your alignment and your assignment and your responsibility. And that was the key last season. I think it might be the key this year. And to just top it off, Sark in that game, first half against U of H, running a ton of three high early and often. Texas averaging over nine yards per play, running the 6-0 line package, averaging over five yards per rush in the first half, running the 6-0 line package, over 17 yards per attempt, and 100% completion percentage running the 6-0 line package. Your two first touchdowns of that game were in the 6-0 line package. And in the second half, he only runs two plays with the 6-0 line package, two runs. I think it had to do with the Quinn Ewers injury because we don't know when it occurred, but it occurred. I think it might have occurred midway through the third quarter. And after that, he abandons the 6-0 line package, not because he doesn't like it, but because he doesn't have the, the complementary element of the deep passing game off of it when teams decide to load and stuff the box because they were averaging over 17 and a half yards per attempt. The 42-yarder touchdown to Xavier Wordy, that was out of the 6-0 line package. The touchdown to A.D. Mitchell, that was out of the 6-0 line package. Why? Because they were putting guys in the box to meet and match your mass, and then you had favorable matchups on the outside. You exposed them. You exposed that three high. That was the key, and they, they went away from it. I think the reason they went away from it because they didn't have Quinn to complement the passing element of it. Oh, great um, rant by Rod. That's a good breakdown of how you break that three-high th- uh, shell and uh, did it good early, did it enough late, and yeah. didn't do it much in between. And that's what's kind of my synopsis of the game. The Longhorns kicked U of H's ass for the first 20 minutes. They got their ass kicked for 20 minutes, and mm-hmm. then Longhorns outplayed them in the last, uh, you know, 15 to 20. Not by as much, but enough. It's enough tight, with baby. the uh, three, yep. three big stops in the fourth quarter. And the, uh, the the offensive drive with C.J. Baxter and a 16-yard touchdown run. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, I do think the final stop, that big third down and fourth down play, were been a, you know really good fortune for Texas. But in the end, you end on the road in the Big 12, you take it and you get out of there with a victory. We'll come back. We'll pick up that conversation. The Longhorns are six and one. We'll get ready for Sark's news conference at 11. Uh, get the latest on this Quinn Ewers injury. How severe is it? Uh, we'll get you what we're hearing, the very latest from that front as well. Uh, all the injuries for Texas starting to mount. We'll talk about it. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Aaron Hogan, Rod Baber. Austin, Texas, Sports, the Horn. Hey, coming up, we've got to play a little round of Who Said That? Who Said That? For the top of the hour, good audio from the weekend and who said it. Also, we'll grade ourselves. It's pretty safe to say in Ty and Mai's head-to-head picks on Friday. Ty had a great week. I did not have a good week, Ron. Mm. I did not have a good That's week. That's all right. It's a season. Comes and goes. Comes and goes. But uh, Ty had a strong week. But Ty may also Ty have a fifth-hour story to tell us. He teased this early this morning. There's a reason he Ooh. didn't go to the Texas-Houston game last night, game six down in Houston. He's going to share that with us in our fabulous fifth hour. And he says it's a story – 
suited for the fabulous fifth hour. The fifth quarter, baby. Ty Henderson always has stories, but this uh, one might take them all. Yeah, what Ty, I've been told. I don't know it. Ty just lives a, the life of kind of lives on the edge, doesn't he? Some character from some TV show or something. He does. <laughs> he does. Uh, he is at the Horn headquarters. We're in our home home office today because we're having some construction done at our building. So uh, we're here in uh, my living room, essentially my my, my man yeah. cave, Rod, uh, mm-hmm. doing the show. It's but nice. uh, we roll on. We can we can handle that. It's and, uh, had had some some weather issues for sure, but uh, Rod, what more could we ask for than this game tonight? You know, we'll get back to the Longhorn conversation, but you know, you know, you know me. I'm a huge baseball fan, and you know, my whole life, and this is about as good as it gets. I mean, I there's there's controversy in this, there's drama, there's the will will Brian Abreu be available tonight, or there's mm-hmm. some reporting that Major League Baseball is going to rescind his suspension and revisit it this off season uh, because there is enough you know margin of doubt of whether he was intentionally throwing it at Adolis Garcia or not, that it shouldn't hinder the game. And it certainly would be a problem for Dusty Baker not to have, you know, maybe his best overall reliever. Ryan Presley's the closer, but, man. Uh, Isn't Ryan, everybody, on, everybody on deck for this game? Yeah, you want and that. And, and everybody's base, available, right? And, and baseball suspending him for something that he's appealed and he has a lot of support for his appeal within the baseball industry – don't think he was trying to intentionally hit. I think I think he was trying to pitch inside without a doubt on that pitch. But at the same time, I don't think he was trying to intentionally hit him. And he had been armside wild in the previous at bat. Evan Carter, who walked, so he's got a pretty good case. Say, look, I didn't hit him on purpose. I was just trying to pitch inside, and it got away from me. Uh, yes, he hit a home run the plate appearance before mm-hmm. that. That is what has led to the suspension. Exactly. Same time in that instance in the eighth inning of a two-run game in the playoffs where there's already one base runner. Last thing any pitcher is going to do or want to do is put another runner on base uh, with nobody out. So that's the argument. But the, but the other side is now that you're here on Monday and you have a game seven. Baseball has to make a decision: are they going to take that player away from Dusty Baker or allow him to be there and then worry yeah. about the suspension later? Uh, we'll see. But uh, either way, that's part of the drama. Uh, Adolis Garcia, Brian Abreu struck him out last night in a big at bat, but then he got the uh, the final word with a grand slam. Uh, Garcia last night, El Bombi, became the first player ever to strike out in his first four appearances of a playoff game and then hit a grand slam <laughs> in the ninth inning. That was, the, that was the game ender. I, I think the Rangers are going to win regardless. It was 5-2 to three, two at the time, but the, the grand slam was just yeah. the sh- the – he was hacking Exclamation away. Exclamation point. Oh, man, he tomahawked that bad boy. <laughs> that was a bad pitch from Ryan Stanek. Um, what are your thoughts about the um, the stat or the fact that Dusty Baker's never won a game seven? Uh, yeah, I uh, don't love Bruce it. Bruce never lost a game I will seven. say, as an Astro fan, I was hopeful to win last night's game and not get to this point because the longer you keep this Rangers team around. Now, you know, the other side of the argument is the Astros have more pitching. And to have Christian Javier going to the mound tonight is a big deal. You know, Christian Javier has been Mr. Postseason for Houston. You know, he was a part of a combined no-hitter in last year's World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his first start of this series, he went five no-hit innings before giving up a home run to Josh Young, and he helped win that game for Houston. So Christian Javier, um, you know, money in this spot for the Astros and big spot occasions. Max Scherzer is the wild card. You just don't know about Max Scherzer. He he went, took the start in game three, hadn't pitched in six weeks, and all of a sudden looked like a pitcher who hadn't pitched in six weeks. Exactly. And the Astros got him out of there by the fourth inning and won the game. You know, was, is it possible you see a better Max Scherzer tonight? Sure. And if you do, he's still Max Scherzer. And he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But uh, that could be advantage Houston, especially against a guy like uh, Jordan Alvarez, who's been hitting great. Jose Altuve can come up in big spots in these moments. Alex Bregman's a tough out. The guy the Astros have to get going if they're going to win here is Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker is not having a good series, and it's hurting that ball club right now. Michael Brantley 
did not have a good game last night. They put him into the two-hole, and he did not have any you – know, and, look, Nathan Abaldi's a tough pitcher, and his splitter was splitting last night in a big way. Uh, but the Astros, you know, let him off the hook on a couple of, of big occasions there. But I love this quote from Mitch Garver, the uh, Ranger catcher. He said, I've said it since the middle of August. It's going to be a dogfight all the way to the end. Really, really good ball club on both sides. They have pitching. They have hitting, but so do we. It's one game to settle it all, and I think everyone is excited for that. Uh, well said, Mr. Garver. That's it. I mean, it's uh, it went. I mean, think about it, Rod. It was fitting that it went to the final day of the regular season. Both finished with the identical mm-hmm. ninety and seventy-two record. Now it's a war. Now you're in the series together, and it was two to two, and the Astros won Game Five in dramatic fashion with a Jose Altiva home run. The Rangers came back and won Game Six in dramatic fashion. What more could you ask for? It's one game. Well, I mean, and that, you, that's were, a, and you had the dramatic shift of being down. 0-2, right. if you're the Astros fan, or being up 2-0. Right, to go, to go from fan. down 0-2 to up 3-2. Exactly. Right. That is a, trust me, I've been riding this emotional roller coaster. It's, it's been exhausting. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, and obviously somebody's going to be, you know, oh, that's a thrill of victory and the agony defeat because someone's going to leave disappointed tonight. It's going to be heartbreak, man. It's going to um, be heartbreak. But yeah. you know what? This, uh, I will say, it'll be so, as heartbreak as it'll be for the team that loses or the fans that, uh, who end up losing, the satisfaction of your World Series appearance coming off of beating your rival. Oh, it's huge. <laughs> right? It's huge. It's huge. You can't, that's like I said, that's like Texas beating Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game to go to the college football playoff. That's how satisfying or that even, would be. Even to, right? to, to, meet the, to face Oklahoma in the Final Four. <laughs> To get to the championship game. Now, that game. would be satisfying, too. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's a different discussion. But I'm just saying, for Texas, that's as close as you can get to how satisfying that could be, beating them in a championship, a conference championship game, to get to the college football yeah. playoff or the well, and semifinal. They, and they might get that chance. they got to play yeah. a lot better than they did Saturday yes. to make that a reality. Yeah. But, uh, look, the, these are, this is what's the beauty of this, this, these two teams. They're both really talented. They're both very even. They both have Hall of Fame managers. But they're both flawed at, at, at causes, right? I mean, the Rangers' bullpen has been a flaw all season long. Uh, they go, they're streaky. The Rangers get super hot, streaky. then they go ice cold. Yeah. Um, the Astros have been really good, but then they're terrible at home. I mean, they're just terrible at home. I, don't, I mean, when you're 7-21 and 20, seven and 21 in your last 28 home games, that's a large enough sample size to say that's who you are. That's a problem. Uh, and you're going to have to win a game at home to get to the World Series. And and if you can't win a game at home, Ron, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve to go. You don't deserve to go. You yep. absolutely don't deserve to go. You deserve to. Yeah, I totally It's just agree. like the 2019 World Series. If you can't win a game on your home field, the Washington Nationals deserve the World Series. I You're mean, you you showed you could go into their place and win, but, uh, you know, the, the fact that you couldn't rectify this home field problem for two months now um, – it's it's what you, you you get what you deserve at that point, and the fact that you couldn't close it out last night and exactly. had to get to a game seven, but you know you know it's game seven, Rod. You started the show by saying it's the one of the great phrases and maybe the best phrase in all of sports, game seven. Well, not only is it game seven, that means it's you know Johnny Allstaff. Every pitcher's available. Everybody. Everybody's available. Yep. Um, Nobody's too, it's never too quick to pull somebody. You know I mean, you just gotta uh, you gotta coach every really every at bat. Every, I mean, coach everything differently. Well, think about, every think about the back. with every at bat. Well, that's why these balls and strikes are so oh, important. Oh man, I get so adamant about the the umpiring. Oh, you're right. Because it magnifies tonight. Magnifies everything. Uh, and so, how about this as magnifying every at bat. How about last night when the Astros loaded the bases in the eighth inning while it was still a game oh, and had a chance. That was. And Dusty Baker went to John Singleton, mm. not the movie director, but the uh, <laughs> the pinch hitter. And, you know, it seemed like a, a, an okay thought because Singleton was the guy in game five who coaxed the walk 
that led to, you know, he and he and uh, Yiner Diaz both came in as pinch hitters and got on for Jose Altuve's three-run homer. You needed those guys to be on base to make that not a solo homer but a three-run game-winning homer for Jose. So he had the good at bat, and I think – and it was against LeClerc. So I think uh, – Dusty was thinking the same thing. Like, okay, let's. Mm-hmm. He's one of our more patient hitters. He won't swing out of the plate because remember Mauricio Dubon on the previous at bat, after Kyle Tucker had walked, he came up swinging at two bad pitches and got himself down in the count and then you know wasn't able to get on base uh, in a bases loaded situation. Um, you know, he, so he knew John Singleton would be, you know, patient with it. But then did you see the pitch he got on 3-2? It was right down the middle. Mm, Think about this, Rod. Think about this being a major league professional player. Your whole life, you're you're putting yourself in scenarios like that. Bases loaded, two outs, 3-2 count. He's going to throw me a fastball. Clutch time. And, Rod, he threw it right down the middle. Mm. And Singleton missed it. Mm. Swing and whiff? Swing and whiff. Mm. He missed it, Rod. Like right down the middle. Like, and, and you know, it's 96, 97 miles an hour, but still, you're, you're a professional hitter. You can't ask for more. You worked the count into your favor, and he threw you the pitch you wanted, yep. and you didn't hit it. In and then moment. on the next pitch, he, he popped out. Um, so, gosh, that's how close the margin. That's, that's Mitch Garver's quote is right on. That's what this series is. It's that close. It is um, pitches, uh, hits. I mean, gosh, uh, it does feel like the Rangers kind of trended this series back to where they're in the momentum, and the only thing that st- stopped it was the like Jose that. Altuve home run. Hmm. Um, if you take that out, the Rangers have really been in control of each of the last two games, but that hit happened. That home run was, you know, the, clutch, the Mr. Clutch, Jose Altuve, who can, you know, is now historically clutch in postseason appearances. Um, yep. You know, because it happened way back on Friday, we haven't talked yeah. about that much, but Altuve yeah. is up there in the pantheon of greatest playoff players of all time. Let me ask you, do you think that that 2019 – uh, World Series for the Astros, which had a very similar, you know, kind of track, kind of played out very similar to this series. Um, do you think it's good the Astros went through that? Or do you think now that's something they reflect negatively on? And Hopefully it's, like, it's good for Dusty Baker. Now, that was A.J. Right? Hinch, the manager at the time. Yeah, exactly. but some of the players, those guys, some of those guys are still there. Yeah, well, look, I mean, if you, if you don't have Brian Abreu tonight, for sure. I mean, having gone through it. Yeah, you, I wonder if it's bad or good. Is it good? You learn from it. You learn like, all right, this is how we need to respond to this. We need to approach it this way or that way. Well, or if it, if it haunts you where you go, damn it, man, we, we are here again. Last time we were here, it did not work out well. We didn't respond well. well. Just know Dusty Baker should know, and it was A.J. Hinch who still criticized for not going to Garrett Cole in that game Oh yeah, uh, when he had him That's available right. and could have used him and said he left Will Harris oh, in the game and gave up the home run. That was brutal. That turned it out being the, 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 the clincher in game seven. You know, look, if you need to use Justin Verlander tonight, use Justin Verlander. I oh, mean, he, hands on deck. Uh, I think the only pitcher you won't use tonight is Fran Valdez because he pitched last, last night. night. <laughs> he and Evaldi are probably off limits, but yeah. everyone else. And hey, so if Nolan Ryan's up there and he's got a good inning in him. You know, <laughs> yeah, good, good. Say, hey, hey, Nolan, you got one in you. I mean, seriously. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, and that, that's the, the magnifying glass that Bruce Bochy and um, Dusty Baker will be under. And that goes back to your question. Uh, right now, I think I would trust Bruce Bochy over Dusty Baker. Just, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, I love Dusty. You know, if you saw him, his, 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 his fire and his, his fight for his team in game five, uh, who wouldn't battle and want to play for that guy? But, you know, the John Singleton 
pinch hit of appearance when you still had Yiner Diaz and Chaz McCormick available, that's questionable. That's hugely questionable. But Dusty goes with his gut. It didn't work out. It worked out in game five. That's the beauty of baseball. But, yeah, everything will be under the magnifying glass tonight, without a doubt. Every pitch, every pitch of a game seven uh, with a trip to the World Series on the line. Uh, Good stuff right there. We'll come back. We'll talk more about it. Also more on the Quinn Ewers injury and where the Longhorns stand. They are number seven in the country and a one-loss team, but uh, injuries mounting. We'll talk more about that and how you – uh, come out of that Houston game finding positives, but also trying to fix a lot of negatives in that spot. But coming back, Rod, you ready to play some Who Said That? Who Said Who that? Who Said It? Coming back. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Oh, man, the debates rage. The debates rage. Quinn yours, how long will he be out and on the shelf for Texas? How, how many games will Malik Murphy have to man? Will we see Arch Manning? Who's it? Uh, we'll get into that coming up. We will also talk uh, uh, Jose Altuve, that controversy, the, the uh, El Bombe, the Adoles Garcia, Brian Abreu debate. There have been good debates today for sure. Great also ones. officiating and debates about uh, bad calls. But it's also time for a little who said that, who Rod. Said good audio that? from the weekend. Can I play you a piece of audio? This is from a lifetime Longhorn who uh, was not able to play yesterday in the National Football League. Let's fire this up. Who said this, Rod? Head was hurting. And, you know, I was just trying to like, see how I was going to feel on the field. And, I mean, I was just going down. So, talked to Smith, and, you know, he was like, I, I don't want to want to risk anything. Uh, yeah, my head, my head was hurting bad. I, was, I don't know what, what was going on. Uh, but, you know, we, we try to talk. I try to go pregame. Um, but then Coach Smith was just, you know, we'll, we'll be all right. Uh, get, get you right for next week. Hell was hurt. Mm, Dijon. Yeah, Bijan. Bijan. Dijon. Didn't play against the Bucks yesterday because of a migraine headache or a headache of some kind. That's weird. That is weird. Because they didn't, they didn't tell anybody, right? Yeah. At the beginning, they kind of kept it the wraps, and then the media had to basically grill them about it at halftime, and then the report came out. That's strange. Yeah. Like I don't just, know why they tried to hide it. Uh, well, uh, the way where I read it, that he he didn't feel bad until the day of the game. Oh, okay. So it was a last minute thing. Yeah, all of a sudden okay. he's got this he, a bad headache. And, and they thought maybe he could still play. Maybe yeah. he'll get over it. And I guess he never did. All right. Yeah, you don't want to mess with that. You don't yeah. want to mess with migraines. Remember, like, Terrell Davis used to always, like, miss games. Yeah, yeah. He'd have that come up in, like, a migraine, like, right before the game. You have to miss the whole game. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, who said that, uh, uh, Ty? Just dial up any of them. Who said that? Taking my point right there. Like, don't, don't ban this play. Like, if everyone could do it, everybody would. Where's the camera? If everybody could do it, everybody would do it. There you go. There's old my man Nick Sirianni. And when you see him make that comment, if you're not an Eagles fan, you just want to smack he's him in the, the mouth. He's the worst. He does have a <laughs> – If everybody could do it, everybody would do it. And he's just such a Jersey, hey, Philly Jersey guy. guy. Just a Philly, Philly guy. Philly guy. He's in your face with it, and he, you just want to – but his team won last night, uh, despite the fact that Jalen Hurts, his quarterback, now has the most quarterback turnovers. Only Desmond Ritter has turned the ball over more than J- Jalen Hurts this year. Not getting that uh, that Dak Prescott uh, treatment, yeah, this though. This is what is Micah it? Parsons was saying, right? Mm-hmm. Why didn't they? Why didn't he take the heat? Well, his team's now six and one. That's true. They're still winning. Now. <laughs> They're still winning. That's a good point. Um, and then he had a, he had. Good plays last night to offset the bad plays. A.J. Brown was great last night, the receiver for the Eagles. Oh, he's fantastic. Uh, we'll get to see your Niners tonight, Rod. Rod I say Ooh. your Niners. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, Kyle Ooh. Shanahan, they play the Vikings tonight. Uh, they, uh, you know what? Depends on how Debo and Christian McCaffrey look. Yeah, what the Vikings is- blitz a ton. There's no team in the NFL more blitz-happy than the Vikings. It's like historically so. You're going to see it. They believe basically you can blitz your way through anything. <laughs> Just blitz your way through it. And we'll see. It would let me, Brock Purdy coming off his worst game as a starter in that loss to uh, 
the Cleveland Browns. By the way, Cleveland then turned around and gave up 40-plus to the Colts. Gardner Minshew. It's the NFL. What a weird sport. Exactly. What Thank a weird you. league. What a weird league. Hey, because uh, all we did is brag on the Browns' defense last year. Last week, they hadn't given up but 1,000 oh, yards in the whole season, and then they give up 40 to the Colts, and Deshaun Watson got hurt again. To okay, Gardner Minshew. Right? Yeah, Gardner Minshew. Because Anthony Richardson out. Yeah, Anthony Richardson's out. Uh, Shane Steichen, the former offense coordinator in Philadelphia, is doing a good job he there with that offense. They, I totally agree with that. They, they, they do more with less, it feels like. Hey, hey can I play this? Who said this, Rod? You'll probably know this voice. Kelsey keeps getting better with time. Um, um, Taylor can stay around all she wants. Um <laughs> There you go. <laughs> uh, oh, we know this Andy Reid. Andy Reid, hey, he might try. He might next time invite her to his suite if he's got a suite in there or something like that. Because Travis Kelsey is at his best when Taylor Swift, his his baby, his his woman, is there. And by the way, there are people saying now that they may be close to being in love. Like that's what the sources close to them are saying. Like we talking about the L word now, the big L word. Look, I know people still think it's a marketing thing. It's I'm past not. that. Yeah, I'm past that too. And it's I real. also say, as annoying as it was to see her, Taylor Swift, and Brittany Mahomes doing some choreographed junior high kind of dance thing that they were doing. Hey man. Uh, that would be indicated that indicative of someone who's getting pretty close to somebody. When you start, yeah. You know, yeah. she, she, you know, hanging she, out with the family. If she wanted this to be known that she was dating him, but not a big, like, not out in front of it, she could keep it that way. She could keep yeah. it behind the scenes. She's oh, not. Yeah. She's, she just, just leak, leak, she's leaning into she it. She could just leak reports to different sites yeah. and stuff. No, no, I ain't doing that. She's she's leaning into this. She, no, thing. I totally agree with you. And so is Travis Kelsey. He's averaging 84 receiving yards per game with uh, Taylor Swift in appearance. 46 receiving yards per game without Taylor Swift in appearance. They're undefeated with her there, and he had his best game of the season, actually, uh, last game when she was there. So, uh, he's killing By the way, Christian McCaffrey is expected to play tonight with that oblique injury. Not sure how how long he'll be able to go. Debo Samuel was ruled out because of a shoulder. Okay. Uh, He he didn't need all of his weapons. He just needs most of his weapons. Yeah, Yeah, George Um, Kittle to play, too. Okay, uh, let's get to another piece of audio here, Ty. Just uh, dial any of them up. Who said that? Going on Florida State. Um, I like Keon Coleman, the receiver. I think he'll be a top oh, draft He's pick. a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, um, and I like the offense that they run. Uh, a little bit of post style, but spread, the, spread guys out, make guys run left and right, uh, get big guys tired, and I think they're going to take shots in this game. So I'm going with Florida State. Florida State good wins this game, but a very, very close okay. defensive game. You can cut it down now, Ty. Uh, the first person talking, not the, obviously, the person who ended Who that. was that? That was college game day. They were it in. Was. was that Marvin Harrison? That was C.J. Stroud. Oh, our, our that's our quarterback, right? That's, uh, that's Texans quarterback talking about how he likes Keon Coleman, the Florida State receiver. The reason that's important is because, remember, he was saying very similar things about Tank Dell before the Texans uh, drafted him, and the Texans have admitted they drafted Tank Dell partly in, because C.J. Stroud really liked him and kept talking about him before the yeah, draft. Yeah, they worked out together all through yes, the draft process. he's very complimentary of Tank Dell. Just throwing it out there, Ken Coleman, keep that in mind once draft time comes around. They could use more weapons down there. They could also use and they like some CJ, defense. They like C.J. Stroud's recommendations. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Uh, Texans and Cowboys both enjoyed the week off mm-hmm. uh, for sure. And there's some there's some who said that. Who said that? Coming up, uh, we'll get back to the baseball in Game 7. Obviously back to the Longhorns and the Quinn Ewers injury. We won't know for sure, but there are the reports of uh, grade 2 AC joint sprain of the right throwing shoulder, which would lead to at least a couple of games. We'll get Sark at 11 o'clock today with some clarification of just what their, their plan is. Malik Murphy, Arch Manning, Malik. We'll talk to Rod about uh, behind the burn orange curtain on Malik getting first team reps all week, trying to you know, build the game plan around Malik Murphy and how that could change some things for the Horns. 
getting ready for BYU. We'll get into all that, plus uh, obviously Game 7, Rangers-Astros coming up tonight just after 7 o'clock. Uh, classic developing. What more could you ask for? It's uh, Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby headed into the fabulous fifth hour. Plus, Ty has a story. I don't know it, but I've heard it's it's a doozy. And if you know Ty's stories, mm, this name would probably be pretty good or Yo. interesting. We'll get that coming back. Hook'em Up.